What's up, Kinksters? This is Kinkyistix with Kristen. And Jamie, we're here to pleasure all your holes. This month, we read... Uh, Sorry, tabs. Too many of them. Um, Falling in Love with My Vampire Cat by Camilla Evergreen. For five long years, I didn't know my cat could turn into a vampire. That means I've spent five long years squishing little black Tobians, participating in all-night cuddles, and calling a full-grown man my itty-bitty stinky kitty baby. When my near-death experience forces Xylus Micah to tell me the truth about how magic is real, I nope my way right back to my fishbowl. I will not be participating in any tropes, thank you. This is not a fish-out-of-water enemies lover's romanticy. This is me, barely functioning adult, attempting to live my best life, which consists solely of reading books, eating cheese, and falling asleep on the couch. It does not include making friends with werewolf chihuahuas, meeting a moth fairy prince, or defeating a boogeyman. And it absolutely, completely, most definitely does not include falling in love. Falling in love with my vampire cat is a laugh out loud romantic comedy with light fantasy elements, neurodivergent characters, and plenty of closed door sizzle. That's it. That's the whole synopsis, and I love it. That last part, though, I don't really think there's much sizzle to it. There, there was, <laughs> like, like I loved reading this book. I did. Yes, but there wasn't any. She even said that in the beginning, like in a, on like the uh, on the trigger warnings and stuff. Yes, she was mm-hmm. like, "This is not a hot and spicy book, guys. Nope. This is like a car- cottage core fantasy." Uh huh. Like light tease. <laughs> yeah. I think she even used the word tease. Uh, I guess I could just like go into the book and go back This to book is if Cottage Core and Fantasy Core had a tiny silly baby. Do not read it this book if you are expecting angst, action, or sparkly skin. <laughs> Which I loved because it was a Yeah, she bashed Twilight, Twilight a couple of times. Uh-huh. <laughs> No, it was a really sweet book. I'm sorry. I've really been into sweet things lately. It's like, fine. Wholesome. The next book will be as raunchy as fucking possible, okay? Like, there's going to be spanking and all sorts of shit. You yep. know what? I'm going to tell you what our next book is, okay? <laughs> <laughs> we Kristen picked it out, so you know it's fucking good. Working Out the Kinks by Misha Horn is going to be next month's book with And the synopsis reads, mistakes aren't supposed to feel this good. I learned early on that pretty much everything in life is a scam and loves at the top of that list. Easy to fake, maximum payout, and people just never stop falling for it. Watching my mom break hearts and empty bank accounts as we bounced from house to house taught me just how dangerous feelings could be. That's a whole lot of hassle I don't need. These days, I stick to three basic rules. I don't take something just because I want it. I don't ask for help, even if I need it. And I never look twice at a guy who has a bigger bank account than I do. I know where these things can get you, and it's not anywhere I need to go. I'm perfectly happy never getting too close to anyone. Just scrapping by with my guitar, chasing the rock star dream until my time or my sanity runs out. At least I thought I was. Until Brett showed up. Another thing I don't think about 
the past ever. So the last person I need to go breaking all my rules for is this cocky, spoiled brat who used to be my stepbrother. No matter how gorgeous he is now, no matter how filthy he is in bed, no matter how good it feels when he says all he wants in the world is me. Working out the kinks is a steamy, kinky, forbidden romance about grumpy, broken rock star who refuses to fall in love and a lonely, relentless, spoiled brat looking for someone to belong to. This book features a lengthy one-sided obsession, angsty arguments about a messy past, major class differences, kink discovery and exploration, and lots of spanking. So yes, the next book will be full of kink It'll be full of sex and smut, and we can talk about our love of getting our asses slapped. <laughs> but I just need a sweet romance in my life, and this hit the spot. It did. Yes. <laughs> it was It was a fun read. Why don't you tell us what happened throughout the whole book? <laughs> <laughs> because I've been, I've been worse than usual this week, so it's been hard for me to read. So we've got Willow, which is the main character. Mm -hmm. She hates people, especially kids, which I thought was hilarious. <laughs> I love that. As a mother, I mean, like, I would not want people touching my child that way. But I did like the fact that there was a heroine of a romance novel who wasn't in love with children or wanted children. Right. It was nice. It was a nice shakeup. Um, so she picked up a stray cat, and then five years later, he turns into a vampire, and he made her his thrall. Which is Xylus. Yes. If you don't know what a thrall is, it's a human companion for a vampire. Um, some people use them as slaves or like, I guess the most famous one would be Dracula's thrall. Um, uh, goodness, it just his name just slipped my name. Uh, it starts with an R. Renfield. Renfield. Yes. Thank you, honey. Renfield. He's okay. probably He's probably the most famous thrall. The name sounds familiar, but I didn't actually know that off the top of my head. Yeah, uh, Nicolas Cage and Nicholas Holt just came out with a movie uh, last year, I think. Or maybe it was the 2021, where Nicolas Cage played Dracula. Uh -huh. And it was called Renfield. And it was, it's yeah, not, yeah. I, I haven't seen it. It's been on my list, but I haven't seen it. Oh, sorry. You're good. Um, So he takes her to this party, and they meet... A dryad named Pila and a were canine. He's not a werewolf, he's a were canine <laughs> named Ollie. Um, Willow finds out that she's mostly dryad with some pixie in her. You find out that vampires are fey, which blew my mind. I thought it was brilliant. It was brilliant, but it blew my mind. Yeah. Um,. It makes more sense than being undead, too. It does. Yeah. Sorry. Okay. Because he's actually warm, and he has a heartbeat, and... He eats. Yep. Yeah. Blood is just, like, a medication for him. Right. Which they even talk about it as him be needing to be medicated. <clears throat> um, they come up with a roommate agreement because they decide <laughs> to stay together because... Their souls are connected. Yep, the because thrall. that's the role. Yeah. Um, something in the bedroom? Oh! I love that note. Something in the bedroom? 
Yeah, there was something in the bedroom. There was this big loud crash, and then he whisked her away, and she was two inches tall in an adorable house with like mushrooms and acorn cups and cabinets, and it was really cool. Um, sorry. No, you're okay. Do you want to use my flashlight? Sorry, I made- No, it's not that. I'm having trouble reading my notes. Like, (laughs) out need? (laughs) I don't know. Bookstore? No, over here. Yeah. Bookstore, but I don't know what this is. Yeah, I don't know what that is. I don't know what that scribble is, Kristen. <laughs> Honey, you have atrocious handwriting. Would it's you like fine. to try to read it? It's fine. <laughs> um, so they go to the bookstore. Um, she ends up seeing this other pixie. Oatmeal? Oatmeal. <laughs> oatmeal? Bookstore? I love it. Oh, yeah. She feeds him oatmeal. And it's like the first meal that they have together. Good job, honey. <laughs> For the win. Oatmeal. Um, There's a failed pie. She tries to make a meringue pie. And Pila comes over and visits and she fixes the pie for her. Like, they make, she makes it into this lemon meringue fluff or whatever. Oh. And she gives her this whole... Um, I love pie. Lecture. Well, not really lecture, but this pep talk. Mm-hmm. About how when she messed up and accidentally turned into a bush... I love it. Um, then they went to the prince. Like a burning bush? No, just a normal bush. Oh, okay. They went to go visit the prince, and then while they were there, they decided that they were going to have movie night at Willow's Place with Ollie, Prince Kale, Xylus, and Pila. Um, because the prince was like, I'm bored. Yeah, that's Give not, me something to do. That sounds like a royal thing to do. Yeah, he was like, I'm bored. Give me something to do. And Willow was like, it's Thursday. It's movie night. I always have movies on every Thursday at 8 p.m. And she has to have popcorn with it. Yep, she has to have popcorn with it. And it has to be made a specific way. Because if you didn't hear the neurodivergent part, she is very autistic. She's autistic I, as fuck. Oh, my God. I felt attacked in this book at points. <laughs> I felt like I was reading about me at some points. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, I felt attacked because I was like, I'm not that bad. I'm not. I promise. And then I was like, holy shit, she's saying the same damn thing. She's denying it, too. Yep. Yep. I don't think she knows she's autistic. I don't think so. And I, I like how she framed the autism and the little bit of, you know, ADHD she might have with, like, mm-hmm. the obnet pertinence and stuff as just tendencies of fey blood. Yep. It was because she's part fey and that it's her fey interacting or interacting with her human blood and it's making her this autistic person. Yeah. Whereas, like, all the fey people are just like her and yep. they absolutely love her. Yep. Like, all, every fey she meets absolutely loves her. Yep. And at one point, um, when she was at the bookstore and she saw the other pixie, um, she asked her how she was doing. And Willow was like, oh, I'm fine. And the pixie was like, no, honey, you're not. And she's like, oh, that's such a human tendency. I'm sorry. Let's try this again. (laughs) Yeah. How are you? Or actually, no, the way they uh, worded it is, are you well? 
Yes. And see, and that's, I think that's such a better question to ask somebody. It is. Are you well? Or for me, I guess, like, because I don't know what to say when people ask me, are you well? How are you? I'm like, do you really want to know? Because it's not great, but I'm alive. So that part's good. Right. What is it? There's this like saying in like Finnish or Swedish or something and it translates to up and not crying. I think it's Norwegian and it's like I'm a I'm alive and not crying or something like that. You're right. There is like this Nordic saying and I just I'm like, I love it. I love it. Maybe maybe I should just move to the Nordic countries. They also have that way of saying I love you. It's but it's like translated to person I hate the least. Yep. Yes. If you are from these countries and you know what we're talking about, please like get on our Instagram or like message us on TikTok and correct us or, you know, straighten us out and we'll like bring it up in our next episode because yep. we're American. We get half information. Our education system so broken. Yep. So we're all self-educating out here. And as you can tell, it's not always great. <laughs> yep. Um, so you find out that boogeymen create nightmares. Um, the thing that almost killed her in the very beginning was a boogeyman. Um, and that's how she became the thrall in the first place. So then her having a nightmare scared Xylus because that meant that the boogeyman was back. Um, and... They visited a dream eater, which is what boogeymen become whenever they're stronger, older, stronger. Um, and they asked him about it. And he was like, well, this was created because Xylus was afraid of losing you. Yeah. His fear of losing Willow was so strong that it created a boogeyman. That's like a really intense love. Yep. And I love it. I'm here for it. Yep. Yep. Um, Ollie's human Skip. died, uh, which her name was S Elsie, Elsie, I think. And she was this sweet old lady. Um, there was a fake epilogue there. It literally said epilogue and it went through the ending. And then there was more story after that. It was like, or was that the end? <laughs> And I thought that was really fun. And then they ended up going through and fixing the boogeyman plot. I don't remember how, but they fixed the boogeyman plot. That's awesome. I love the fact she picked the boogeyman as the bad guy. I feel like the boogeyman is one of those mythical creatures we never talk about enough. I wrote the boogeyman into one of my series um, in an unpublished book. And I think she did... Like, sorry, I'm losing it. Continue. <laughs> no, that my, was the end. No, my brain just farted. So Okay. Yeah. So let's just go back to what we were talking about with the book and what we loved about it. Because... um, The chapter names were great. Yes. You're fine. I promise I won't spill that. I do move a lot. And I don't spill my own drinks. Okay. Yes. So, like, um... Goodness, let me go back to chapter seven. Is this real life? Yes. <laughs> like, there was one that was just, um, I want to play Sims. 
And I thought it was hilarious. And then later on, she brought that into the actual chapter. And um, that was how Willow was describing her life. And she was like, um, I'm the Sims. She's like, I'm a computer. And I have all of the expansions. I have all of the um, packs. I have all of the this. And she's like, and my character is frozen and pixelated. And she's like, I'm not functioning well. I'm moving in two bit. I'm moving in. Yeah. Yeah. She was like, I just want to play The Sims. <laughs> I don't blame her. I like just sitting and playing The Sims too. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed her as a character, like all together. The fact that she just lives in like this little cottage out in the woods that used to belong to her grandma. Yep. And I think her grandma recognized that she also, like, she said, oh, that girl's got that that special gene I have. Mm-hmm. So she's like, I, she left everything, all of her money, like her cottage, her land, everything to her granddaughter. Yep. And she's like, it honestly is the only reason why I've lived as an adult, period. Yep. <laughs> because grandma left this stuff to me. And it's something like a lot of, especially those on the spectrum, have to deal with. Because interacting with people and mm-hmm. moving around and all of the stimulation. Yep. It's so much. And then the recovery time afterwards. Which I think they covered that really well in this book. Yes, she um, did. She would go into, like, nonverbal, non-anything, and she would just lay on the floor in her room. Yes. And she said she would live off, um, I think she said Famous Amos cookies. Mm-hmm. And eventually, Xylus would come in and be like, hey, so there's no more food in the house. We need to go and go shopping because you're not functioning, and it's been a week, and there's no more food. And he was mostly just trying to get her to function again. Yep. Um, cause I'm sure he was capable to go shopping by himself and he probably would have picked healthier options for her. It's possible. Ha- I mean, of course he would have done sweets too because he's fae. Yeah. Right. But, um, yeah, no, like I know when I go nonverbal, a jacket, like when I was in high school, especially I would have to, after school, I didn't take a nap like her. What I would do is I would take a walk, and I would walk five miles after school every day out in the country. I'd put music in, and I would write my fanfic in my head. Hmm. And, like, then I would go home and, like, type it out or write it out. Mm -hmm. Um, But I had to isolate myself that much for, for an hour and a half before I could even be around my own family. Wow. Every day. All the time. Like, every day. Five days a week. And I, I can see it with Jack. He does it, too, when he comes home. Mm-hmm. Like, he, he's, like, trying his hardest to get into his room and shut everything out mm-hmm. and just, like, numb down with YouTube as quickly as possible after school every day. And it's, and it's now become part of his 504 is to allow him to have uh, music uh-huh. to drown out, all, like, the the noise of all the other kids and everything. Um, he's also allowed to go into the counselor's room to like destimulate, like to help with his anxiety. Cause that's what we call it at school is anxiety, <laughs> which he does. He has a generalized anxiety disorder. He's been diagnosed with that for many years since he was nine. He uh, takes lots of anxiety medication. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
But yeah. No, but the like, underlying cause is the autism. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. No. And I felt like she did such a good job with that. And I was like, and as she's describing this, I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, no, I do that. Jack does that. Yep. Uh-huh. uh-huh. <laughs> and it was so nice. It was so well written because you never see autistic characters. No, and I loved that. Uh, yes, especially as the heroine. Yeah. Like, you never get book heroine characters as autistic or neurodivergent in any way. And then she just made a book of them. Mm-hmm. And it was so sweet and wholesome. It was. And there was so many um, quotes or moments where the other characters were trying to lift her out of her depression or out of her nonverbalness or... Support her. Mm-hmm. And not, like, make her feel bad or guilty for being that way. Um, they're like, you're different. That's cool. Yep. So what do, you, what do you need? Yeah. Which was so wonderful because we don't do that enough for people in the world. We, I'm, okay. Here's a rant for you, Kristen. Um, <laughs> You've got nine minutes. Cool. Okay. So in my nonfiction class, me and my teacher, we have two very different personalities. We're both very strong personalities because A, he's the teacher. So he has to like be he in has charge. To be. Yeah. Um, but I could easily take over and pull a coup in that class. <laughs> and he knows it and it scares him. <laughs> because I've become the class mother. I check in on everybody. I like connect with everybody. I open them up so they can conversate with other people in the classroom. Um and like I'm okay with like sometimes just sitting back and letting like I'm okay with not being like the center of attention and I don't think he realizes that because I know that these kids are in a classroom and they don't know what's okay and what's not okay mm-hmm. I'm gonna I I'm not saying they're not adults because they're like in their early early know, 20s early 20s late teens right mm-hmm. I think the youngest one in the class is 19 but you know they're still figuring out who they are their brains are still developing yeah whereas me and the teacher, and I think there's two other students that are in their early 30s, and, you know, they're quiet people. We're writers. Of course, we're all quiet. <laughs> I My social anxiety just comes out as talking, so I've learned to use it as a superpower. Mm. Like, when I get nervous in public and I start talking, I'm like, how can I utilize this so it's not, like, annoying everybody? So I start to ask people how their days are. What's going on? What are your interests? Oh my goodness. And then a lot of the classmates are also neurodivergent. So we'll start doing what neurodivergents do. And we we group and we bounce. So like, I will say, I'll say a story and then someone will be like, oh my goodness, that's so awesome. And they'll give me another awesome story. Yep. And he interjects (laughs) and he's like, Hmm. Well, you know, I find that when somebody talks about themselves like that, it's kind of selfish and annoying. And I was like, well, I found that most of the time when somebody talks about themselves like that, it's because they're, yes. And I called him out on that and he went silent. (laughs) Oh yeah. Yeah. I have made that man go silent more than he's probably ever had to deal with because I call him out on things. I do not give a shit. I'm in my like no shit 
no fucks given uh-huh. era. I'm like, I, I could die tomorrow. I don't give a shit. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm like, I mean, yeah. I'm, and and this book celebrates saying, "Hey, I'm neurodivergent, mm-hmm. and that's okay." And I don't give a fuck what all you neurotypicals are saying about me because of my weirdness. Because guess what? I found my fellow weird people. Right. Yes. Um, one quote that I really liked was, your worth is not reliant on anything you do or do not manage to accomplish. And oh, yes. That was such a good quote. I felt that. Yes. To my core. <laughs> I was just like, I needed to hear that. And I know a lot of other people need to hear that. Yeah. And I think the heroine needed to hear that. I mean, obviously she needed to hear that. Right, otherwise someone wouldn't have said it. Yeah. Um, I just really liked that. No. Yes. Because again, we, in our society, we have tied our self worth to what we can produce for society, usually in a fiscal manner. Mm-hmm. Whereas neurodivergence, yes, we do add to society, Right? But the massive majority of us, because they say only 15% of autistic adults are working, that means 85% of autistic adults aren't working and they're not contributing to society financially. And I mean, A, that's a problem because they're struggling to live. Right. But that's the issue. Whereas society tries to make it look like the issue is them being lazy and not contributing. Mm-hmm. But it's because they need to contribute in a different way because their brains work in a different way. Yep. And because society can't wrap their fucking heads around it because they're bottom-up thinkers rather than top-down thinkers. Yep. They don't see the big picture and why all this little, like, why all of our differences matter. Mm-hmm. And they pressure people into these boxes and we... Well, and it's always, what do you do? Right. And like, how do you contribute to society? What, how much money do you make to put back into society? Mm-hmm. You know, we've tied the wealth as our measures of success. And if it's not wealth, it's, well, do you have kids? Yes, because, oh my goodness, procreation. Now, don't get me wrong, I love my kid. Like, mm-hmm. I chose to bring him into this world because I really wanted that little crotch goblin. Okay. <laughs> Um, do I regret it sometimes? Yes, but not because I regret having him alive. I regret it because he's stuck in this world now, and this world yeah, sucks. It does. And it's hard on people like us. <laughs> like, because I love him that much. Mm-hmm. I, I, I would do anything to keep him safe and happy, like any parent. Yeah. But, yes. Like, fuck this world. <laughs> Especially the way it treats, like, the neurodivergent. Yep. Like, all of us. I'm mm, so angry all the time. I want to burn it all down to the ground. If you, <laughs> I'll like, help you. <laughs> I think that's why that Cold Chamber song, do you remember it from the early 2000s? Honey, do you remember the Cold Chamber song? Yeah, remember or recorded it, of course. That's right. Can you sing it? Or re- tell me the title again, because my brain's shutting uh, I down. Think it's just the roof is on fire. Yeah, the roof is on fire. We don't need no water. Motherfucker, burn, burn, motherfucker, burn. No, I don't know it. Oh my god. 
Um, don't allow. Why? Why? My phone's doing something stupid. Okay. Um, yeah. No. Cold Chamber. It. It was like a millennial anthem. Okay. <laughs> a, a metal millennial. Okay, anthem. that's why. Yeah. I, I wasn't into metal until. Yeah. Somewhat recently, within like the last five years or so. Sway. That's the name of the song. Sway. Yeah. Okay. I'll have to look it up. Yes. It's a really fun song. I was obsessed with it in high school. Um, because, I mean, like, uh-huh. I'm old. <laughs> and that's okay. Well, I know there's another one, and it's like, I want to set the world on fire. Yes. It's an old song. Oh, yeah. It's like from the 70s. Yeah. Um, but there's a lot of songs about setting the world on fire and Uh i think that speaks to how much the world sucks and it sucks because rather than allowing people to be themselves and find their own place in it Mm -hmm. okay so it's i don't want to set the world on fire yes oh it's a love song it's a love song yeah huh Okay, but there's another song called Set the World on Fire, and everybody wants to set the world on fire. Or not everybody, because those in power want to keep the world running just as it is. (laughs) But, like, the mass majority of us facing all of these systemic oppressions, Mm -hmm. whether it's due to a disability, skin color, religion, sexuality, gender, whatever, and the cross-sectionality and the compounding factors that go into that, ugh. Oh, we have to burn it all down and start again if we really want to get it right here in America. Yep. There's just too much shit baked into everything. IT it. Turn it off and turn it back on again. <laughs> we were talking about that. <laughs> yes. Yep. Um, and, I, and I think she saw that in this book. And that's why she said, you know what? Maybe not set the world on fire, but I'm going to escape to the Fey world. Yep. <laughs> Because that was one wonderful thing about this book is, like, is she really discussed the adversities that neurodivergent people deal with, like, in society? You know, all the weird people, like, all the weird looks we get and how we see the social cues and we, like, know that there's a social cue there happening. We just don't know what we're supposed to do with it. Like, what do you want from me? That's what you're trying to get from me. I don't understand because you're not verbalizing and communicating it. Mm-hmm. And that's what I don't get about neurotypicals. They think we can't communicate. The thing is, is they can't fucking communicate. Right. They don't say what they mean. Right. <laughs> and then they're like, and you'll tell them exactly what you're saying. And, you know, you'll be straightforward with them. You'll give them all the information and all the context. So not only are they... Not only when you get you're talking and you give them context like, oh, you know, this is where I'm at in the world. You know, this is how this is relevant to me. Mm-hmm. This is the context of the situation. And you give them all this information. They look at you dumb and they're like, huh? Yep. What are you talking about? And I'm like, I just told you. Yep. Everything. I have to dumb this, this answer down to like two sentences because you're too dumb or too impatient or you don't want to listen to me. 
And you think I'm the selfish one because I'm trying to connect to you and I'm trying, like, I don't, I don't get neurotypicals. I think that's why everybody in my life that I get along with or re- regularly actually interact with is neurodivergent. Yeah. Well, and that's also because you end up surrounding yourself with other neurodivergent people because that's who you get along with. They understand you better. Yeah. I didn't notice that until you pointed that out to me. (laughs) (laughs) And that happens to her in this book, too. She had separated herself from the world, Mm -hmm. completely isolated herself because her parents were neurotypical as well. They didn't know what the fuck to do with her. Yep. So she's like, fuck this. I'm going to live out in the woods and I'm going to be a hermit and I'll be okay. Yep. And she was lonely. But she conquered that by adopting a stray cat. Right. Who ended up being... <laughs> Zai. Yep. But Zai... And Zai called her out on it, too. He's like, you don't want... You're lonely and you want a companion. And yep. she's like, but I don't want to deal with all the bullshit of being with a companion. And he's like... I promise you, it, there will be no bullshit. You will like living with me. And yep. he was right. Yep. Just like when he said, you you should come to this party with me. And he was like, and she's like, no, I don't do parties. And, yep. to be fair, and he was like, it's a, a different party. You'll like this. I promise. Yes. He didn't force her into it, but he highly encouraged her to do it. Yes. And I- she... Oh, had gosh, the best it? time of her fucking life. She did. She enjoyed it so much. And that's the wonderful thing about, like, neurodivergent parties versus a neurotypical party where there's a lot of mental and physical stimulation. You got loud sounds from the music, people talking. Um, there's, like, people constantly bumping up against you and rubbing against you. And you're like, oh, I don't like people touching me because I... Like her, I'm one of those neurodivergents that do not like to be touched. Whereas, like, Josh is one of those that are understimulated. Mm-hmm. So he needs the touch, which, ugh, when I'm having a shutdown and he's trying to reassure me and he's trying to crash and he's like, he needs that touch uh-huh. in order to, like, show his affection for me and be mentally, like, not be mentally traumatized. Uh-huh. So, <laughs> but, like, yes. Yes, like, a bunch of people touching me in a party is terrible. Mm-hmm. That Faye party sounded awesome. Right? I wanted to go to that. It was great. In the woods, too, which is always so much fun. Well, she lives in the woods, and then Fairy is, like, a short walk away from where she lives, but they end up taking a um, a horse-drawn carriage, mm-hmm. but it to was a skeletal horse. Skeletoruses. Yes. Because everything that he does is made out of shadow because he's the shadow king. Yeah. Or not really the shadow king, but he's the prince of darkness. Something like that. He's because he's a vampire. Yeah. Um, but yeah I think he was do, the prince of darkness because Prince Cal was like the prince of light or something. Yeah. Yeah. Well, but he... Um, Talked about how Xylus was his knight. Yes. Like, Xylus was a knight to Cal's day. Yep. Yeah. And they were both... No, 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 no. Like, his knight. Like, knight in shining armor. Oh! Okay. I was thinking, like, his knight to his day. Yeah. My brain. Hello. English and the words that sound (laughs) as like. Dude, I'm telling you. (laughs) We're actually discussing that, because Josh is learning Spanish. Um, because 
when it, like he works with a bunch of Hispanic people, right? Mm-hmm. And he wants to better communicate, right? Well, his buddy Juan, who's the assistant manager there, he's also been working on English, so they talk about language a lot and they nice. teach each other words, and it's a great cultural experience. That's how cultural exchange is supposed to happen. I'm it very, is. I'm very proud of these two very manly yes. men to like come about this organically. Yeah, that's um, great. But one thing, like, so we talk about it, and I told him about this uh, post I came across on Pinterest and the way English works uh-huh. and how we have a very specific order of adjectives. Yep. And if we fuck up any order of that adjective, it sounds nutters. Yep. But it's different in other languages. It is. And it's like backwards. And almost every other fucking language, it, it's backwards and to different degrees. Like German's a li- from. I've I've been studying French and German. Mm-hmm. Like my German is very very brand new. Like I am still in like, like, uh, Guten Tag, uh, Ich Zing, um, uh, Zu Gut. Okay. Very bad. Very bad. Like I'm very new <laughs> to German. Okay. Um, whereas my French, I'm at like an A one level. I can like do basic sentences. I'm very solid in present tense for the most part. I'm okay at conjugating verbs. I can, I'm better at my written and my reading and writing skills than I am at my verbal skills, but that's just me as a person. But I can, I can conversate with somebody on an A1 level. Okay. Okay. Um, and so like German I've noticed is closer to English in the order that the adjectives come, hmm. but it's still, you still put your adjectives, like, you'll say, I sing uh, sometimes good. Or, like, um, uh, this morning would be, like, today morning, hmm. which is crazy. Uh, whereas French and Spanish are very much opposite of English. Uh-huh. And I have a feeling, because I, I, I don't... Speak like, I haven't looked at much languages, like, in the Nordic countries or the Asian countries. Uh-huh. Um, or even Africa, like, most of Africa has been colonized. But um, the, like, Swahili and, like, the native tongues, I like, some of them are click languages, if I remember correctly. So fascinating. I love talking about language. <laughs> I should have been a linguist. Except for I can't talk. I think that's why I didn't become a linguist. Could be. But... Yes. So the the adjectives matter. And I forgot why that was important to what we were talking about. I don't remember. Yeah. Um, we went on a rant. Yep. Uh, when she first went to go meet the prince, Xylus was like, how did you end up in Fairy? Which is the name of the place that all the Fae live. And she was like, you left me unsupervised. I am therefore unable to be held accountable for any actions. <laughs> Any and all actions I commit. Obviously, that's how it works. Obviously. I loved that. <laughs> um, it reminds me of... Um, the moon was full and you left me unsupervised. <laughs> it does. Uh, we need to talk about pet play. We do, because like, there's no sex in this book, which is sad. But 
I mean, it was such a good book that... It was a good book. <laughs> you don't really miss the sex. You don't miss the sex because there's an intimacy in a different way there throughout is. the book. I mean, not only between her and Zai, but I mean, like, the way she develops relationships with the other characters. Mm-hmm. Um, but we are a sex podcast, and so to stumble across these rare books without sex, yep, we still have to talk about fetishes. Yep. And I think there was a very strong fetish throughout this book. Because Xylus is a cat. He starts as a cat! And then he turns into a human, but he still acts like a fucking cat when he's a human! He does! He, like, my favorite part was when he just knocked the fucking blueberry muffins off, off of the, the counter <laughs> in public at the grocery store. It's just like, he just, boop. and she said, are you throwing a tantrum? <laughs> I wanted and to And then I that, think though. he did it a couple of more times. And so she was like, we need to move out of the bakery aisle because apparently the bakery aisle is very um, throwable or yeah, something like, like that. Um, um, but he even does this head tilt like the cats when he's in his human form. Yes, and he'll rub his head against her uh-huh. in human form. And it was just like pet play. Yep. I mean, like. And the way that he says, I love you, is he puts his forehead against hers. Like he kind of does this little mini bu- mm-hmm. head button. Which is what I do with my cat all the time. Uh huh. And she loves it because she loves me. She's my baby. Yep. She's pawing at the door, trying to get out, but she hates <laughs> Kristen. So for Kristen's safety, she's locked up right now. Yep. <laughs> it's to be fair, it's not Kristen herself. It's the smell of Kristen's cats that yep. annoy my cat. Yep. Because my cat thinks she's a dog. Yeah. But yes, and then and then Ollie also. Yep. Being like part Chihuahua. Yep. Like. And actually, we find out, like, halfway into the book that he doesn't have to be a chihuahua. He chooses to be a chihuahua. (laughs) Right? Which I think is hilarious. He chooses to be a chihuahua, even though he could be any dog he wants to. I'd be a pity. Yes, I would. I would be a lovable, energetic pity. (laughs) What kind of puppy would you be? (sighs) I think I'd rather be a cat. Okay, but... I would rather be a cat, too. Clearly, cats are the superior animal. No offense, <laughs> I love you. Yes, my big dumb toddler. But if you had to be a dog, because genetics doesn't get to let you choose what animal right. you are. Right. Yes. I think I'd be a pity, too. They're just so wonderful, aren't mm-hmm. they? Oh, like a pity mix. I don't know what I would be mixed with, but yeah. <laughs> oh, you did a good boy. But I enjoy pet play. I like being a cat. You do. With the ears and the Mm -hmm. tail, which is usually a butt plug. I actually don't have a butt plug tail, but I do have a tail that clips onto like a belt loop. Oh, nice. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. It's purple and fluffy. I bought it at Nakacon. Yeah, I remember seeing it. I thought you also had the butt plug one. Nope. I want one. Come around here. Come around here and come on, Mama. I want one. I just don't have one yet. Gotcha. Because they're expensive. Yeah, that's fair. Because pet play is becoming more and more of an acceptable uh, kink. Mm-hmm. Um, puppy plays a big one. Puppy plays a big one. Hi, Skipper. 
and they have um, like human puppy chew toys and um, masks that you can wear. Um, they're hoods. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you can get cat ones too. Um, a lot of them are made from leather or like a leather substitute. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's becoming very accessible and more um, seen in the BDSM community. Yes, as it should. I mean, like, it's it's a kink that allows you to work through things, mm-hmm. I think, more than, you know, like, hey, let's sexualize animals. Yep. Because it's more about the dominance and it the is. power play. Um, because that's essentially what you're saying is I'm allowing myself to be at this level of an, being owned. Yeah. And being vulnerable. Yes. And being so vulnerable and left it like, I gotta say, I'm not sure I, I would be into the puppy play, but the leash idea mm-hmm. sounds kind of fun to me. Well, you can do that as a cat too. Yeah. Yeah. Like I might do the cat thing. Like, do some cat play. Uh-huh. I thought about that, like, getting a leash and then, like, on all fours and curling up in Josh's lap and rubbing mm-hmm. my head against him. Yeah, I could I could see that. And then he pops the penis in me. I'll be cool with that. <laughs> <laughs> um, you wouldn't. No, you said no, mommy. No. You were talking earlier with our next book, What You oh. Want to Do. What? With the spanking? No, you want to read a sex scene while you're getting fucked. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You'll, you'll have to let me know how that goes if yes. you end up doing it. I hope I do. I hope I remember. That's what's going to stop me. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to forget <laughs> more than anything. Um, but, yeah, no, I, I think it would be really fun to be reading a sex scene, like a really hot and spicy, kinky sex scene, mm-hmm. while someone's having their way with my body. Yep. You know? And, like, they're poking and they're playing and then they're like, just fuck me. While yeah. I'm just sitting there reading. I know that's a whole other cake, you know, the yeah. play, but I kind of enjoy that part of the power play more than the pet, but I'd be very fascinated with the pet play, too. Mm-hmm. Someone has to go potty. And he's trying to tell me this. So if you hear a dog growling, it's not a growl. It's a... It's a, I have to go potty. He's he's very vocal. He's a sassy boy. As you probably already know. If you've listened to any of our previous videos. If not videos. <laughs> any of our previous episodes. Oh my goodness. That's still not as bad as earlier. Um, at one point, Xylus and Willow are in the kitchen. And they're talking. And... I think they get married. But like from a fey marriage? Yeah. Does she know that? Yeah. Oh, okay, then I'm cool. It's not <laughs> it's not clear because she's like, did we just get married? Okay. And like she says, I'm not gonna think of you as my husband. And he said something about he called her his wife his wife or something like that. And she was like, Nope, nope, none of that, none of my <laughs> wife crap. Um they are married at the end of the book. And she's actually interacting with kids. What? Yeah, she reads that's them stories. Growth. She reads them stories. Oh my goodness. That's but like she makes up her own growth. stories. Like she um 
took Cinderella and she called, she um, talked about indentured mice. <laughs> I like it. Yep. So she twisted the stories around because the kids were like, oh, well, we've heard it all. And she's like, oh, no, you haven't. Yeah. She's like, I can beat that story. Yep. Yeah. Man. Such a good book. And this is the first in a series, too. Yep. The next one is um, about Ollie. I kind of saw that one getting set up. Yep. Especially with the owner passing away. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, because he previously had said that he didn't want to have his soulmate. Mm-hmm. Because something about his character, the way that he just perceives everything. So he chose to have human um mates and he would just kind of like disappear for a little while whenever one human would die or something would happen to them and he would get um traded off to the next human yeah he so he decided that he would live in fairy for like a couple of years before everybody forgot about the chihuahua that lived on such and such street and then he would go and find another human Um, and then at the end of this book, he said that he saw his soulmate and he was talking to Xylus about it. And he was like, oh my God, I saw her. She's here. And that kind of sets up the next one. Yeah. And I think it's falling in love with my, um, Chihuahua dog or something like that. Yes. I don't know. I love the structure of a story within a story because Yes. This book was so unique, not only because of the characters, but the way she set up the structure of the story. She let her characters be self-aware, and this speaks not only to her as a neurodivergent person, but as a writer. Mm -hmm. Because neurodivergent people, especially autistics, are known for being so self-aware that it's hard to therapize us. Mm -hmm. You know, it's hard to get us into therapy and actually diagnose us correctly because we're so self-aware and so stuck in our heads that we can tell the therapist exactly what the fuck's going on. Yep. We just don't know what the fuck to do with it. Yep. Um, it was a story within a story. Because yeah. she, um, Willow, loves romance novels. And so she, she kept comparing her life to a romance novel. Right. She knew she was the heroine in a story. And she knew that, like, this was all going to happen like a romance story. Mm-hmm. And she kept saying, nope, nope. I'm not, nope, we need to switch genres. (laughs) And I thought it was a wonderful reflection of, you know, neurodivergent Mm self-awareness. I liked that it didn't take itself too seriously. That too. That's awesome. That was a lovely part of the book. Because when the heroine's like, yeah, no, I'm just going to go back to bed. I'm going to nope right out of this story in the beginning. Yep. Like, we spent a good chapter just her living in denial of what was happening. Yep. And then Xylus had to actually call her out on her bullshit. And she's like, you're at this part. Um, oh, my goodness. I think I screen captured it. I lost my. Nope. Nope. There's my phone under my butt. Um, <laughs> that's where it lives. I was about to say, isn't that usually where it usually is? 100% every time. Okay. Um, 
I refuse to ask what's going on. What's the next step in the story progression? I won't do it. I'm going back to bed disengaged. Then what will the story gods do? Hmm? Kill me off? Make it a tragedy? Nice try. There's no point to it if my death couldn't incite some sort of emotion. Screw vomit again. Screw this. Right? And like Xylus is sitting there trying to support her through this and she's having this huge thing. And then uh and he eventually just calls her out on this bullshit. Like, you know, you're you're holding up the story. Mm-hmm. Like the audience is probably complaining at this point about you. She hasn't slept in like three days. <laughs> oh. And my body keeps trying to choke me, so my throat's not great. And every time I yawn, I like. Anyway. Um. So, uh, yeah, he calls out her out on her bullshit. And like how she's like holding up the story because she won't just get along, get up on the same page as them, as him and the audience. And she's like, and she even uses the technical terms for these points in the story. And I was like, I love it. I'm like totally geeking out over this. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But yes, um, fantastic book. And I will be reading the second one of my own free time. Yes. Of course, I have like a TBR, like a mile long. Right. And that was one thing that she did say. The, yes when she when she, thinks, she when she realized that her life was linked with his and that her life span had been extended she was like oh my gosh my tbr i actually can finish it because i'm all in eternity <laughs> i was like oh, it was great oh my goodness and she doesn't work she lit again she lives off of her grandma's money yep but with being you know, soul link to a fae prince or, you know, the duke or whatever. Vampire. Yeah. Whatever role he plays in the fae court. I don't know. Um, he, being linked to him, he'll, like, take care of her financially from this mm-hmm. point forward. So just not to worry about money. She just sit around at her cottage and read. Yep. And he totally supports her and just sitting around the cottage and reading. Yeah. As long as, you know, like, until the friends want to come over or yep. she wants to go out with friends. As long as she's healthy yeah. about it. And he's okay with just turning into a cat and curling up on her lap and letting her read. Yeah. He's like, I'll nap on your lap or rub my face in your boobs. It's fine. Yep. Yeah. Again, like, I kind of want pet play now because like either <laughs> he can be the pet and then he can crawl up and ro- rub his face in my boobies because i love when there's a face in my boobies yes um i like good motor boats uh i also have very sensitive nipples so like nipple play is fun mm-hmm. um but curling up in his lap too sounds good like just curling up in a lap i haven't done that in forever yeah. I should do that. And let me just rub my face. Because I used to do it um, while I... he was playing video games or something. Or, like, while watching a movie, just, like, putting my head in his lap and just laying there. It's nice. I haven't done that in a while. Yeah. It sounds lovely. Just snuggling. Mm-hmm. Oh! Oh, such a good book. And I want to be any one of those characters. Yes. I, I think Pila was my favorite. 
<laughs> I think that's because you lean more into your ADHD than your autism. Could be. Because <laughs> she was very... I'm not saying she didn't have certain autistic traits, but I read the pixie genes and the myriad genes, or the dryad genes, as like dryad was autism and pixie was ADHD. I thought it was the other way around. No? No, because the nature okay. was calm. It was like... Okay. Very right. straightforward, very logical, like, you know... Whereas the pixie was just this high energy, buzzy, like. Mm -hmm. And pixies only experience one emotion at a time. Yes. And they are usually understimulated, so they need to be constantly stimulated. Yep. Whereas the dryads were usually overstimulated and, like, to be, which is like autistics, you're usually overstimulated in this world. Mm -hmm. Whereas, like, ADHDers, you're usually understimulated. And then when you have both, sometimes you can be both understimulated and overstimulated. It's such a weird feeling when it, you're both. <laughs> it is. And then you have to, like, play the guessing game of what do I need, like, what levels of what do I need right now? Yep. Like, I clearly need some kind of noise, but it can't be too much noise. Yep. And it has to be the right kind of noise. Yep. <laughs> and and the you, lights are too bright. But you have to be able to see to do whatever you're doing because you have to do something to yep. stimulate. Yes. <laughs> it's, it's great. Yeah. It's, a, it's, it's not, <laughs> but it is. Because there's a lot of wonderful things that neurotypical stunt could experience. I personally love the top, the, the top down thinking mm -hmm. aspect of it because I can look at a problem and be like, that's the solution. And people think it's amazing. It depends on the problem for me. That's fair. Most people don't, like, most problems that I have to solve, though, like, I just, I mean, I'm not saying I never get stumped, but the majority of the yeah. time, I don't. Like, it's, I just look at it, I'm like, yeah. Okay, my brain puts all the puzzle pieces into place, <laughs> and I don't—I don't necessarily know all the puzzle pieces my brain is put together, because this is the weird part about my brain compared to most neurodivergents. I have what's called amphantasia, so I have no sensory recall in my brain. It's all blank. There's no no like the only noise in my head is my own. So, like, every song that gets stuck on repeat is my own voice singing it. And <laughs> <laughs> I think this is why I hate my own voice, is because I live with it, like, 24 hours a day. It's also from years of having a headset and having to listen to your own voice. That's true, too. Um, we're out of time. Oh, my goodness. Clearly. Uh, follow us on socials. You know we're at if Kinky you guys want to talk about neurodivergentness, uh, like, in Instagram, Twitter. Detail, um, Let us know. We're not on Snapchat, Facebook. We're not just whores. Um, I'm at Zebra like, Cakeys. Zebra people. is in the animal. K A K I E S. Our whorishness is uh, just Twitter, TikTok, Instagram. Personality. Not on Facebook. Clearly, we're like cookies. too crazy. Um, that's about it. Bitches. Bye. Bye. Speaking of nerd.